Chippy, our elf on the shelf, has returned. Each year he comes back as soon as we put up our Christmas tree. You probably know he flies to the North Pole every night and lands somewhere new in the house each morning. Now he has learned to land in higher places ever since the dog got him and he had to go to Santa's infirmary. (laughs) But he's been back in the game ever since, now for several years running. The kids don't race downstairs to find him like they once did. But he is undeterred when it comes to bringing some holiday magic to our house. When he first arrived, there was a debate. Two seven-year-olds sat at the table with milk and cookies and took up the question of Christmas magic. The debate was essentially one between faith and reason. The faith side suggested that magic must be real because her elf disappeared every night and returned in the morning. She believed, of course, that he was flying to the North Pole, which both explained his absence and affirmed the truth of magic. Reason, on the other side of the table, said that someone must have moved the elf when Faith wasn't looking. Now, her argument was a classic philosophical one that we could call Occam's Razor, which insists that the simplest explanation is probably the true one. They agreed to disagree, not quite realizing the importance of their debate. As I watched it, I was struck by two distinct postures that they showed toward the world. One saw the world as it is, and the other saw a world of unforeseen possibility. For seven-year-olds, this looks like a choice between Christmas magic and, say, parental activity. But for grown-ups, the choice is a more profound one. When we look at the world, do we see the world as it is? Or do we have faith that a larger vision of God is unfolding? It's a question that infuses our readings this morning. The vision of Isaiah that we hear each Advent is breathtakingly beautiful. It's a promise of hope to people whose world looks bleak. Glad tidings are announced to humans in their suffering with a promise of relief. Our sins will be forgiven. The time of servitude will be over. People will be healed. The eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. The wilderness, usually so harsh and dry, will rejoice and bloom. Streams will spring up in the desert, and a road will emerge called the Holy Way, for all of God's people will find their way back to Zion. No traveler, not even fools, will lose their way. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow will vanish. The Lord will lead his flock like a shepherd, He will gather lambs in his arms and carry them, gently leading the mother sheep. It is a sweeping vision of peace and wholeness. Now, mind you, no material evidence is provided that this will all come to pass. But the prophet offers his hope in a reality that is yet to unfold. Now we zoom ahead to John the Baptist. That wild-eyed preacher quoting the prophets of old, crying out in the wilderness. 
Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Also, without any evidence to offer, John proclaimed that one will come after him who will make Isaiah's vision come true. Surely, some people scoffed at this unreasonable claim. And yet, Mark tells us that the people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to John to be baptized in the River Jordan, confessing their sins. I've often wondered if Mark was prone to hyperbole here. It's like saying that all the people of central Arkansas and the surrounding rural communities came to the banks of the Arkansas River to be baptized by some fringe religious leader and confessing their sins. It seems impossible, which is Occam's razor threatening to strike again. And yet, maybe those events are not too far-fetched to believe after all. We know that Jesus was already in the world, about to make himself known at that same river. He was the one who contained the fullness of Isaiah's vision in himself. He was the one who would heal sin and death in all its forms. And when divine presence draws close, it seems possible that new and amazing things can unfold. Even a giant procession to a river, the crowd praying a litany of confession. Now the proclamations of Isaiah, the ministry of John the Baptist, and the confessions of that crowd, they are witnesses to us that there is more to God's unfolding realm than what we currently see around us. And this message requires a choice. Scripture asks us for a posture toward the world. We can choose to reject the message, or we can put our trust in something more than what we see. We can believe that there is reason to hope, even reason to rejoice. The choice is ours. Now, it may not be the simplest answer or the most rational But a faithful response is to throw our lot in with Isaiah's vision and with Jesus as the one who ushers it in. There's plenty of evidence to suggest that as we do, new life and hope can find their way into whatever exile or prison or death that this world has to offer. Now, each Advent, the Church invites us into a season of hope. Former presiding bishop Catherine Jefford Shorey once said that Advent is the season when Christians are called to live with more hope than the world thinks is reasonable. By the world's measure, faith and hope are an unreasonable option. But we have something more extraordinary to guide us than worldly evidence. We have the nearly 3,000-year-old wisdom of the prophet Isaiah who preached that every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. That is our unreasonable hope, the essence of a posture of faith toward this world. Now those two young debaters are older now, They have kept up their search for truth and understanding, as life's questions have become more complicated than elves and magic. 
I hope that they will always have room in their hearts for what feels like a bit of irrational hope. This time of year especially, it's in our hearts where God's vision unfolds and where Christ himself enters in. Amen.